Beautiful. That's what comes to mind when we think about our human design and we're progressively exposed to the perfection of God's original design. Our lives begin to reflect that beauty. Your life is His design and His design is beautiful. Thank you for engaging with us as we are about to be further exposed to the beauty of His design as we look into the world to see Jesus. Praise the Lord. All right. Glory to God. So, this morning, we're going to be teaching on CQ, cause quotient. Cause quotient. This is the second to the last episode of our Love Revolution Deconvergence series. Like I've always said, um, even if you haven't been in church um, in the last month, um, the way I teach, I ensure that each episode is a standalone. So, of course, if you listen to the entire episode, um, you would you would get a lot more depth. But with one episode, you can still understand what that episode, that particular episode is talking about. I also want to encourage you, I want to encourage you deeply that you should make a conscious decision to listen to the messages preached here. Now, I know that some people will do that. Those of you who will, I'm trusting that everybody who can hear me will do that. But I know some people will do that. And please do it. Um, on Wednesday when the service was on, I honestly did not know how revolutionary um, that carefree living was until I listened to it again. You know, I had no idea that it was that potent. I mean, it did something to me, I can tell you. It did something. It changed my thoughts. It changed my paradigm. It gave me hope. gave me courage. I was even shocked that I preached that message. Definitely there was something on me. All right? I was so shocked that that was me. <laughs> I was shocked because I, I was so blessed. It was unbelievable. So I want to ask you to do me a favor. Go ahead, get the messages and listen to them again and again and again for your own benefit. Alright, so we are this morning looking at cause quotients. I'm sure that many of you have heard of IQ. You have heard of emotional quotient, emotional intelligence, EQ, or emotional quotient. You've heard of um, which other one? There are many Qs. Okay? There's IQ, there's EQ, there's GQ. Alright? This generosity quotient, we did that a couple of years ago. But today, we want to do cause quotients. We want to do cause quotients. And we're looking at 
our responsibility to the cause of Christ. Our responsibility to the cause of Christ. I'm going to go to that scripture in a bit, Romans 1 and verse 16, but let's look at a few things before I do that. Um, You do well to pay close attention today. This message is going to transform your life, okay? And I want you to really, really pay attention. A cause means a principle, aim, movement, That because of deep commitment, one is prepared to defend or advocate for. A cause is a principle, an aim, a movement. That because of deep commitment, one is prepared to defend or advocate for. That's what a cause is. I want to say that again. It is a principle, an aim, a movement that because of deep commitment, a person is prepared to defend or advocate for. Alright? If you give me the slide two, you would quickly see what a cause looks like. A cause looks exactly like that. That's a cause. It's a cause. I put up a picture on the Hangout, which I believe some of you who are online must have seen, how that I could see these guys in the rain. In the rain, praying. In the rain. I'm not talking about, you know, for some of us, the rain only beats you till you come into church. Because the roofs, and thank God the roofs are not leaking. Alright, thank God, you know, everywhere seems to be good. Okay? But these guys are in the rain, praying. Now, some of you might say, some very deep Christians can say, well, that's because they have to do it, they're under a law. And because, you know, they're afraid that God is going to punish them. And that's why they have to do it, whether or not. We have a greater cause to do what we do. The grace of God is a greater reason to be spent and spent. But you see, because a lot of Christians have become lazy and have become very narcissistic and self-centered, if it does not further their own cause, it's not good enough. Almost everybody is asking, what is in it for me? What is in it for me? What is in it for me? And if they can't find what is in it for them, then they're not doing it. But this is what a cause looks like. How you will strap a bomb on somebody for a reason. That doesn't even make sense. And they go into a space and blow themselves up. It's a phenomenon that believers must study. 
Why would you do that? Some of you say, well, they brainwashed them. And they told them that they have 11 virgins in heaven. And they told them that, you know, um, um, they're going to have, you know, peace in paradise and things like that. But, you know, isn't it amazing that something so foolish can be so believed? Somebody is told that they would have 12 virgins in heaven. Why do I need to go to heaven to have 12 virgins? Can I have 12 virgins here? Once you probe it a little bit, you realize how foolish it is. Yet a person has believed it so much. He knows he's about to die. There's a bomb on his body. He's about to blow himself open. It's a cause. We today don't want any inconvenience at all. Whatever inconveniences me can never be God. That's not true. I'm going to teach this so bold and I feel the anointing of God's Spirit on me. Thank you, precious Holy Ghost. You know, there are many things I teach, I teach for myself. (laughs) You know, because when I'm teaching them, my convictions are getting deeper. Because we will teach them all around the world. When we teach, when we do things excellently, we, we really don't do it for the crowd. There's a journey we're on. And sometimes some people will be around when you arrive at that journey. And some people will not be. But you're on a journey. And so when you choose to begin to do things well, it's actually because of the journey that you're on. So, this is what a cause looks like. And this message today is not, it's, it's actually a staring message. It's a hopeful message. It's a joyful message. It's a peaceful message. And I tell you today, it's a transforming message. Can we say amen? amen. That's what a cause looks like. And of course, as you know, before I put any content together, I always like to do my research. I want you to give me the slide three. This is what a cause looks like. So I, I've done a research on this before, but I, I had to do it again. And you, I'm telling you, you really don't need to go far. You know, you, you really don't need to go far. One Google search will bring out this. You don't need to go too far. So there is a, there's a movement all around the world that is known. It's the LGBTQ movement. It's a cause. And you might look at it as a Christian as, oh, that's an abomination. But they have, I I saw this article written recently, 20 ways to stand with the LGBTQ cause. 20 ways. (laughs) And the one part of it was, Donates to LGBTQ organizations and people. So, in other words, in fact, there was, there, was, there, was a, there was a study that I did that where they were advocating for people to, you know, give houses, give, you know, leave a legacy fund to these causes. So, this is a cause. What do we say a cause is? An aim, a movement, a principle. 
that people are willing to defend. They are so committed to that they are willing to defend and advocate for. Listen, live for and if possible die for. That's what the cause is. So, they're asking you to donate money to this idea and telling you that, look, we want to be able to reach more people and recruit more people and we're asking you to donate to it. Look at slide four. I want to read something. It says, becoming an ally might change how you want to see that. Look at that. Look at that. Wow. <laughs> this is so bold. He says, becoming an ally to the LGBTQ movement might change how you want to spend your time and money as well. Boldly. It might change how you intend to spend your time and money because you become an ally to the LGBTQ cause. But Christians don't want the cause of Christ. I'm coming to that. I've not even explained what it is, but I'm coming to it. They don't want the cause of Christ to change how they spend their money and their time. They want to be just come when they want, show up how they like. This is an LGBTQ, it's not a Christian movement. It's not, a, it's not made up of believers. He says, I, when I saw it, I was, I was just so glad. Boldly. He says, becoming an ally might change, how you, might, might change how you want to spend your time and money as well. Reach out to organizations that are raising awareness and advocating for LGBTQ issues that are important to you or your loved one and ask how you can help. Donating money to organizations that support LGBTQ community is just one act of kindness that you can do from your couch. You see that? Somebody say, the cause of Christ. Somebody shout, the cause of Christ. Take me to slide five. Look at what he says. He says, be vocal about your allyship. Be vocal about it. Talk about it. Be vocal about it. You know, recently, I saw the band was at Moses Bliss's meeting, and the band, all, for all over the world, said, I'm a believer. I'm born again. And many people, many, many very sad Christians could still poke something into that statement. I felt so sorry for them. Do you know what it takes for a man to come out, a man of that capacity, to come out and say, I'm a born again child of God. I believe in Jesus. I am born again. Do you know the friends he will lose? Do you know the endorsement deals he will lose? Do you know the relationships that he will lose? Some of you can't even say it to your neighbor. Some of you are so are so timid about the idea. You shy away from it. With every single... You don't, want to be, you don't want to be seen around the Jesus folks. These are the Jesus folks. You don't want to be seen around them. I don't want to be seen as too fanatic. There are a lot of Christian singers who will go outside and because they don't want to be called gospel artists, they say, I'm a conscious singer. I'm, I, sing con- I do conscious music. I do music that touches the soul. Rubbish. Very soon. Everybody will be looking for how to identify with the church. 
You see all this hiding and dodging and don't worry. It's only a matter of time. And the time has come. Amen. Yes, sir. I'm a conscious finger. What is, what are you losing from saying I'm, I'm, I, I do gospel? What are you losing? You say it's too restricting. What? It, it confines you to a place. If only you knew. If only you knew. Some of you don't understand. I feel such an anointing and I'm, I'm grateful to God for it. This is a good day. Amen. Some of you don't understand what Paul had to leave behind to identify with Christ. Paul was such a man. He was such a man. Look, Paul was such a man. Alright? Who was the elite of the elite in his day? You know, I, I laugh when people say, the reason why I'm not a Christian anymore is because I have a very high level of education. I went to Harvard. Oh God. How stupid can you be? You went to Harvard. That's why you are no longer a Christian. Because you went to Yale. Or because you went to Oxford. That's why you are no longer a Christian. Paul studied at the feet of Gamaliel. That was the Harvard of the day. That was the best of the best of the best. And Paul, after he said, I count everything but loss for the purpose of gaining Christ. He said, I determined to know nothing amongst you other than Christ and him crucified. You know why? Paul understood that allegiance with Christ is passport, not restriction. You know what passport means? When you have a passport, you, you know, anybody, if you don't have a passport, you're restricted to Nigeria, you know. But with your passport and a valid visa, you can go all around the world. He knew that. He knew that being with Christ is passport, not restriction. I, can't, I, I don't know of anybody who can come out to tell me today that the reason why I didn't amount to anything in my life, the reason why I didn't become anything is because I followed the Jesus folks. You are, you, are, you, are, you are just saying rubbish. You know why? The last time I checked, God does not produce failures. He does not sponsor flops. Everybody that hung around Jesus, the Bible says that one of the ways they identified them was that they were super smart. And they are super wisdom. They said, this thing is not common am- amongst us. The, the top brightest people were saying, this thing is not common amongst us. What's going on here? And they said, the only thing they could point to was that these guys did not have an education. They did not have a degree. They did not have anything. The only thing that they could say happened to these guys is that they had been with Jesus. If your own religion causes you to be dumb, then you don't know Christ. If your own religion makes you dull, makes you slow, draws you back, moves you behind. Oh boy, I feel the glory of God. Listen, if your own religion causes you to be slow, causes you to be timid, causes you to draw back, slows you down in life, you've not met Christ. Everyone who met Christ, they knew that something changed in their lives. Can you give the Lord a shout? So if the LGBTQ can say that you should be vocal about your allegiance. You know there was a time people were shy. They they call it coming out of the closet. You know, because (laughs) you had been in the closet for a long time. So now you're coming out. But now people are saying be bold about it. You know, talk about it everywhere you go. 
In other words, do we have a chance? Is there a chance to be passive about the cause of Christ? I'm coming to something. I'll, I'll explain what the cause of Christ is. Do we have a chance to be passive, passive about it? Just passive, like a desicle, you know? Just do it anyhow, you know? However you please. The answer is no. Do we have a chance to, you know, you know, just be about it the way we feel. Have that look, that look about it. No, you don't. Glory to God forevermore. What did I say? You do not. So Romans 1 and verse 16, Paul begins to be vocal about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Put it on the screen, please. He said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Now listen, stop for a moment. For Paul to begin to talk about not being ashamed, it was because there had been incidents that had happened around him that was responsible or that was supposed to produce shame. Things had been said, conversations had been had, alright, that was supposed to make him back down on the gospel and back down from the conversation. And Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? It is the power of God unto salvation. Paul did not say, and this scripture does not say, the gospel has the power. He did not say the gospel produces the power. He did not say the gospel can manufacture the power. He said the gospel itself is the power. That's why Paul said, I did not come to preach anything amongst you. Every time you, you see Paul talking about himself, he was talking about all of the things that he threw away to follow Christ. Just to let you know how much he had to do away with to follow Christ. And after that, the conversation was never about him. It was always about Christ. So when Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, it's because there had been things in the culture, things in the environment, that could cause shame. And he refused to be ashamed. Say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. That's why the gospel does not, God never said to preach yourself. He said, preach the gospel. Also, there are many people who can't preach the gospel because they are waiting to clean their lives up first. The gospel is the soap. Do you understand what I'm saying? The gospel is the cleaning agent. You see, the gospel does not point to you. The gospel points to him and then tells you what you have become based on him. So, because of how vocal Paul was about the gospel, people had started saying things to bring him shame. I'm sure I'm imagining that some people, look at, look at conversation. <laughs> Just look at conversation. Look at this one. After, after all, this, all the school fees his parents paid, has come now to say it's gospel, gospel. That's where he wants to be preaching all around. How is he going to take care of his wife? 
How is he going? No wonder he did not marry. How is he going? How is he going to take care of his children? So, so is he only you that Jesus died for? Hmm? Why are you carrying it on your head as though as though you're the only person that Jesus died for? Remember how powerful Paul's conversation was. Paul was the only apostle who was not there when Jesus died. So, whatever he knew about Jesus, he was told. Or he read. Oh, boy, this is so good. You know, your conviction can be very strong if you saw with your eyes. I saw it with my eyes. I followed with my walk, you know, and all of that. Paul was not there. He had no idea. He was taught. The same way you're being taught. And then, he became a radical. He was taught. He wasn't there. You guys have to understand it. He was not there. Just the same way you're being taught. It's the same way Paul was taught. And we will see certain things. Oh, today we will see certain things. today. Glory to God. So, do we have a chance at being passive about the cause of Christ? The answer is no. Now, let's look at a few scriptures because it would help us. So, what is this cause? Now, let me explain what this episode is. This episode is basically about knowing the cause of Christ, number one. See, look at this. Knowing the cause of Christ, okay? And measuring how much proficiency you have in the cause of Christ. In other words, so you, when you go to work, they say, what's your emotional intelligence? In other words, what's your, or what's your um, IQ? In other words, what they're saying, all right, is that we want to measure how proficient you are in this subject. For us today, we're measuring your proficiency in the subject of the cause of Christ. How much do you know about it? How committed are you to it? How devoted are you to the cause of Christ? Listen, listen to me. Look at me. When this message was preached many years ago, there were only 12 in the room. Only 12 in the room. What happened between when the message was preached and when it got to you? People carried the cause. You know, some of you would think that some of you would think that the lower the number, the, the more dangerous for the cause. No, not for Christ. The cause itself is transformational. If it gets a hold of your spirit, something will change. Look at this. When these people came to Jesus, Jesus did not promise them money. He didn't promise them houses. He didn't promise them cars. He didn't promise them promotion on their job. <laughs> oh, thank you, dear Lord Jesus. You know, when you hear certain things today, you know, you hear certain believers talk. I'm looking for where it's happening. I'm looking for where it is happening. <laughs> Imagine Paul changing churches, looking for miracle. There was something that entered his spirit. He knew he was the miracle. Oh, say amen, church. So what is this cause? Let's look at a few scriptures. 
Luke 19 and verse 10. Luke 19 and verse 10. Let's read this together once to go. For the Son of Man is come to seek. Let's read together once to go. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Cause statements. That's why he came. To seek and to save that which was lost. It's a cause statement. The Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Question is, what's your proficiency in this truth? How knowledgeable about, uh, about this are you? And here's the other thing. How committed to you, to it, are you? How devoted to it are you? Oh, I'm going to show you some things today. <laughs> are you excited? Give the Lord a shout. So he says, the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. There was something that Paul made his life about. He made his life about this cause. I'll show you. Don't worry. I'll show you. Let's look at another cause statement. Psalms 35 and verse 27. Psalms 35 and verse 27. He says, Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. You see, it's called a righteous cause. The cause to seek and to save those that are lost is called a righteous cause. It says, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, which takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants so that they can favor his righteous cause. Look at it, and look at it in context. Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. In other words, there is a disposition of favor towards the righteous cause. And there is a way a person can be that does not favor the righteous cause. There is a way a person would be that favors the righteous cause. And there is a way a person would be that does not favor the righteous cause. Doesn't make it advance. Doesn't make it go forward. Doesn't make it move. He says, let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Look at this. Look at this. Look at the, look at the la- last part of it. Let's read it together. He says, let the Lord be magnified which has pleasure in what? If you put it two together, what then is the purpose of prosperity? So that you can favor his righteous cause. He says the Lord takes pleasure in your prosperity. And the reason why he does is so that you are able to favor his righteous cause. It means that there is a disposition that favors the righteous cause. And there is a disposition that does not favor the righteous cause. There is there's an attitude that the believer can have. That favors the righteous cause. And there is an attitude that does not favor the righteous cause. Let me tell you one attitude that doesn't favor the righteous cause. Narcissistic self-centeredness. Doesn't favor the righteous cause. All about me, me, myself and I. 
those in favor of the righteous cause. How can I be soothed? How can I be comforted? How can I be glad? It doesn't favor the righteous cause. You know what Paul said? These kinds of conversations, Paul, the, the apostles said, Lord, grant that with boldness we would declare your word. Because there's a way you look at certain people's faces, you'll not be able to say certain things. Boldness. Why does God bring us prosperity? It's so that we can be on the side of his righteous cause. I want to show you a couple of things. Let's look at Philippians 1.13. Give me in the NASB, the NASB version. Philippians 1 and verse 13. Look at it. Look at this. I want everybody to please look at this. This is so powerful. Let's read it together. Want to go? It says, so that my imprisonment, imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the Praetorian God and everyone else. What happened? My what? Hey church, I want you to talk to me. Talk like you're in service. My what? My what? You know what he's saying? In other words, I was imprisoned for this cause. I was locked up in jail. Not because I stole money. Because I bear a cause. You know, let me tell you. Don't see, look at me, everybody. Look at me, everybody. Don't be the church or the people. That things that have been working down through the years does not now work for you. It is said that when you want people to come into a light, you teach them. So don't be the people that will say, well, <laughs> teaching or no teaching. I'm me. I'm me is me. In prison for the cause of Christ. I want to show you another scripture. Philemon 1.23. The CEB, Philemon 1 and verse 23. Look at what it says. It says, Epaphras, who is in prison with me? What? No, no, no. Look at it now. It says, Epaphras, who is in prison with me? For the cause of Christ greets you. <laughs> he can still greet from prison. For the cause of Christ greets you. Some of you, if rain falls on you, don't greet anybody. Rain, as you're coming to church, rain falls on you. Nobody greeting care. Don't you know? I'm, I'm, you know, I'm having, I'm not. Greets you from prison for a cause. For nothing he did. Because he's preaching gospel. Some of you say, is it my mother that killed Jesus? This is my father. For this cause, why will a man be in prison? For a cause. In prison, locked up. Your freedom taken away from you. Your liberty taken away from you. And you know what comes with prison? The beatings. 
the starvations, the, the, um, the, what's it called? The, uh, sorry, harassments. I heard in the Nigerian prison, somebody was saying the other day, that in the Nigerian prison, there is OC, there is OC governor, there is OC president, there is OC deputy, there is OC this. One time, a few, a few years ago, I think it was last year, I went to some of the leaders to go and see a member of church there, and I think it was last year or two years ago, whose dad was locked up in Kirikiri. One of the things they told us was that, you know, we've, we've, we've done some things in this short journey that if you hear about, you'll be amazed. That the heart that really drives this thing is compassion. Nobody sent me. I just, the, the young man told me his dad was arrested for something. And I said, he's in prison? I want to see him. And so I went to some of the leaders one of the things they told us as we got in there, they said, make sure you hold your tag very well. <laughs> hold it very well. If you lose it, you're a prisoner. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, of course, my mother did not give birth to a fool. I wrapped the tag around my <laughs> I said, no way. I cannot. <laughs> because, I mean, you can't start to explain to anybody, I came to visit. You came to visit? You, where's your tag? You're locked up. And it was a terrible sight. No, you don't want to know. It was a terrible sight. That's how people die in all those kind of things. It was a terrible, terrible, terrible sight. I was pitying. You know, I, I do that a lot. I try to imagine my life from their eyes. I try to I try to get into their eyes and see life from their eyes. And guess what? It was full of hopelessness. That's the reason why I'll forever be grateful to ministries and churches. We cannot do that now, do you understand? Because we're still growing. But ministries and churches that have prison outreaches. You know, some people have prison correctional programs. Some people have all of those things. They go, they go there and teach them. You know what it means? They go to those prisons and they teach them curriculums. And they graduate. And they learn skills. TDJ has it. We have it in Nigeria. A lot of churches have prison ministries. But I'm telling you, until you are there, you'll never know. Even some of you say, ah, <laughs> you know, people in Nigeria say jokingly, you know, if you see the prison in the U.S., you know, won't you want to just stay there? Just stay there for the rest of your life. Let me tell you what prison takes away from you. See, the correctional thing eh, is when you restrict a man's freedom and not allow him to interact with the world, you're messing with his mind. We were, we were born to be interactive. Do you understand? We were born, that's why this online church thing, it was never God's plan. Because we were born to meet, how are you? Hello, how you, do you understand? That's how we were born. So what prison means is that they restrict you from all of those things. And then this thing over time, one year, two years, it begins to eat into your mind. You, you lose your mind. This man was locked up in prison with another fellow disciple for the cause of Christ. 
<laughs> Shout for this cause. Say it again. For this cause. For the cause of Christ. Was locked up in prison. He says, Epaphras, who is in prison with me for the cause of Christ, salutes you, greets you. He still has the energy to greet, even though he's locked up for a cause. Now, the question many times is, you know, what, what can you go through? You, you hear people, you know, talk about discomfort. They talk about challenge. They talk about all of these things. It, once it, it discomforts them a little, that's all it takes. Look at what happened. I don't have the time to show you. But we're going to be so blessed today. Amen. Alright? You know, I don't have the time to show you. The Bible says that in, in the book of Acts, the apostles, they were caught. <laughs> they were caught for healing a man. They have just healed a man and done a good thing. Then they brought them in front of the in front of the council. And they began to ask them questions. And began to ask them questions. And then they said, Okay, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna beat them. I'm sorry, we're gonna we're gonna lock them up and we're gonna hurt them. And then somebody rose up and said, hey, hey, if these people miss, if they miss, if they look for them and they don't see them, you guys are going to be in trouble. So you know what they did? They brought all of them out and said, Okay, lie down and give them koboko. And warned them not to preach in the name of Jesus anymore. You know what the guys did? They got up from that whooping of koboko on their back and on their butts. And they were dancing and rejoicing. Guess where they found them again? In the streets. Back in the city center. What were they doing? Preaching the gospel. For the cause of Christ. They couldn't be stopped. Even the flogging could not stop them. Some of you might say, well, that's their day. What else did they hear other than this gospel? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You even live in a time of, of advancement and, and all of that where you can, you can come to church and then God actually speaks to the pastor and say, you're going to get a job, you're going to get a promotion, you're going to get this, you're going to get that. You have an iPhone 12, and an iPhone 13, and an iPhone 14, and an iPhone 21. Do you understand? And you can use all of that. That's fine. That's good. I'm happy for you. All these people had were beatings and injuries and even killings. You know, James was caught. No crime. That's the, that's the one that beats me. No crime whatsoever. He didn't commit a crime. He was caught and arrested. Why? Because he was preaching the gospel. And guess what? Herod beheaded him. John was beheaded. People were beaten. There was a, there was a disciple who said, you know what? Don't, don't crucify me like my Lord. Crucify me upside down. People were thrown into hot boiling oil. Today rain, only rain. Then the next thing I want to ask you, are you salt? That rain cannot touch you. Only rain is enough to distort a person's, you know, devotion. Rain. Well, let, let me almost say that maybe these guys were superhuman beings. But the other thing I want to say is they were not. <laughs> so before you, before, before you start to gawk yourself, no, they were not. 
They were normal, regular human beings. You know, when the Bible says Elijah was a man of like passion, like you, it is true. These guys were regular human beings like you and I. You know what changed? Something entered into their spirit so strong. Somebody shout the cause of Christ. Oh, say it again. Say the cause of Christ. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. That's all Paul heard. That's all Peter heard. That's all James heard. That's all Judas. All of them. All of them. That's all they heard. You see, while some grew stronger, Judas went to behead himself. You see the power of the gospel. Oh boy. Thank you, dear Lord Jesus. You see the power of the gospel. What Peter did was no different from what Judas did. The only difference was Peter waited for redemption. Judas did not. Judas paid with his own blood. Peter had the sense to wait for redemption. Nothing is big enough that cannot be cleansed by the blood. No past is dirty enough. The same thing. They denied the Lord. They betrayed him, right? Was it not the same thing? One waited for redemption. The other one killed himself. He paid with his own blood. You were not designed to pay. That is the whole story. Somebody was meant to pay. You let him pay. And you receive what he has paid for. He came to seek and to save the lost. Can you shout amen somebody? I'm going to go. Oh, I'm going to go to a couple of places now. Let's look at Mark 8. 34 and 36. The book of Mark chapter number 8 from verse 34 to 36. Look at this. And when he had called the people unto him, which his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will follow after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Next verse. You'll get something out of this. Look at this. It says, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the Gospels shall save it. Look at the last verse. He says, For what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Now look, when, when, many times people look at this and then they begin to misquote it. But take us back. Let's look at this in context. Let's look at this in context. He says, And when he had called the disciples unto him, he said with his disciples, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me. In other words, if you're going to follow me. In other words, if you're going to follow this cause. Look at this. Look at this. If you're going to follow this cause. He says, let him deny himself. Now, some of you don't understand what this is. Self has always been the problem. Self has always been the problem. You're either too proud or too lowly esteemed. 
Self. Self is not altogether put together. Self either is too proud or too self, too exalted or stupidly timid. The last time I checked, self cannot save self. It's Savior that saves self. Self, when it says deny yourself, it is deny both the good and the supposed bad. I guess what I'm saying? Good. If you're a good self, don't glory in it. If you're a bad self, are you hearing what I'm saying? If you're a bad self, don't take shame in it. Good self, if you, if you glory in your good self, the Bible says it is filthy rags. Bad self, that's why we have redemption. Gory self. That's why we have a gory cross. Broken self. He was wounded for our transgression. His body was broken for our iniquity. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. So if your body is broken, his body was broken. How about lonely? How about depressed? How about frustrated? You understand? He says, deny yourself. In other words, don't identify with self. Because you are about to identify with something. It's called, I don't know how many of you have listened to Hillsong. It's called the beautiful exchange. You're about to identify with something that is greater than yourself. He says, so deny yourself. That's not a bad word. You understand? Because it is in self that was all the limitation. In the first place. Now let me tell you. Many people look at this and say, Hey, sacrifice, sacrifice. Hey, sacrifice, sacrifice. I have to sacrifice. I have to sacrifice. Uh-uh. When he says deny yourself, he's saying deny yourself and look to your real self. See the lamb slain. Let me tell you something. Look up at me, everybody. God is not calling you to make a sacrifice greater than what he already did. Oh boy, okay, okay. I'm going to say, I'm getting excited. Listen, God did not call you. Every time you want to start exalting what you have done as though it is something massive and all of that, humble yourself. His sacrifice is greater. Yes, sir. There was a man who was locked up in the cage. His name is um, Elijah or something. He went out to God and said, La, you know, I'm the only one remaining that has not bowed to bow. God said, Shut up! I always have something bigger than what you've done. I have 7,000 men. Yeah. None of them are bowed. There are the 7,001. Keep your mouth. You see that self? Deny it. It's a good word. He said, deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. In other words, bootstrap. You're about to get on a journey. Now let's look at the next verse. It says, For whosoever shall save his life will lose it. Don't, don't make a big deal out of that. It's very simple. Let me tell you what Jesus is saying. If you try to save yourself, your blood is not enough. Okay, stop. I'll, don't worry, I'll come to... Uh, if you try to save yourself, your blood is not enough. At the end of the day, you lose yourself. But if you let me save you, my blood is enough. You'll be saved. 
Another interpretation of this is that if with me you are you you deal if, if with me you deal with holding back. You deal with holding back. You deal with holding back. At the end of the day, you lose what you held back. You know, I've shown you that principle before. Proverbs 11, I believe. I've shown you that principle before. That in the kingdom, it's, it's like things just go the opposite direction. There is one that holds back, yet he becomes poor. There is one that spreads, yet he increases in wealth. How can you explain that? It's the same thing. When it comes to the principle of God, every time you hold back, you lose. Every time you let go, you win. I'm sure Jesus taught this to Paul. And he taught this to the disciples. No wonder they didn't hold back. He says, if you hold back your life, Okay, let me, give you an, let me give you an example. A very simple example of what I'm talking about. Very simple. It, it will not always apply, but you can understand the context. God says, I don't know if it has ever happened to you. God says, give that 100K. Hmm? And then you hold back. Okay? And then eventually, somebody comes and steals the 100K from you. That is, is stolen. Then you're thinking back, you're saying, ah, Chibi would have better given this thing to God. At least I realize that it's investment. You know that kind of thing. I realize that, ah, it's investment. How many of you have ever happened to you? Let me see your hands up. Ever happened to you? You felt the impression to give something. Then eventually you lost that same thing. And then you now start telling yourself, I could have, I could have, I could have, you know, I could have done it. I could have given it. And it would be an investment. But now I've lost everything. That's the kind of picture being painted here. You hold back, you lose. You give it all to him, you gain. Let's continue. It says, whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and for the gospel. You see that? For the cause of the gospel. Not for a house. You see, this what is in it for me mentality is not what he's talking about here. Listen to me. Let me tell you. Let me digress for a bit. You see, those of you who are specialists at visiting places, you know, to get prayed for, and you just not stay with the word, you know, and tuning into every online prayer program, good and bad, and all of that, let me tell you. You're only opening yourself up for the possibility of deception. The day deception will come, you won't even know. You'll be too occupied with your need to see that they're about to scam you. Don't say, I'll always know. Listen, let me tell you. Don't say, I'll always know. That every time, well, I'll always know when it is not the Spirit of God. No, you will not always know if you're not being fed with the truth. If you're not devoted with feeding yourself with the truth, one day you arrive at a place and your desperation will be stronger than your knowledge. Because you've not been feeding your knowledge. Brother, are you getting what I'm saying? And you'll be scammed. Big time. Broad daylight scam. (laughs) Uh... 
Next verse, please. He says, For what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses soul? In other words, look at what this is. Look at what this is. This man has left himself to himself. And he has gone ahead to make a success out of his life. And he has seemed to succeed in building something for himself. You know, I hear this thing. He has done well for himself. She has done well for herself. How many of you hear that, hear that a lot? And then one day, the Spirit of God asks me, how many people are doing well for me? Wow. Wow. He's done well for himself. It's a good thing. It's a good thing to do well for yourself. Oh, that girl, she's done well for herself. She's built a career. She's, she's really done well for herself. And then the Spirit of God asks me, how many people are doing well for me? It's the idea that if you're doing well for him, you've lost everything. You don't get it. He's the owner of the cattle on the thousand hills. He's the owner of everything in between. Following him, you can never lose. I'll show you something else. So this has to do with people who have made a seeming progress for themselves. And have acquired some seeming success. But they have left out the cause of the gospel. If you go to the previous verse, you see that it says, Anyone who loses his life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will gain it. In other words, why you are losing your life is known. Do you understand? It's not the unknown. It is known. The reason why you are denying yourself is for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of Jesus. Some of you say, well, we don't know what we're de- why we're denying. Mm-mm, it's known. Let me preach it very boldly. If you have a choice to go for a million dollar business and there is a church program and you cho- choose to attend church program, you've not lost the million dollars. You'll gain it back. Hey, say Amen. It's hard to say amen in those kind of things. It's hard to say amen. But I'll preach it boldly. You see, because at some point, you must must decide who is governing you. Who is Lord over you. God or money. You You cannot really say that your allegiance is to God if you can't do this simple thing. You know what he has to give up to come for you? Think about it. Money. Money. Paper. As I grow older, I'm telling you, it's not, it's, not, it's not bragging or anything. As I grow older, I'm praying that the Lord would detach me from these things. That I will see them for what they really are. You understand? Listen, let me tell you, one of the biggest mistakes that can happen to a man is to give something a value that he does not have. Oh boy. Is to give something a place that he really doesn't have. The day you will realize that he did not have that place, you will be so broken. Because all your life you have built 40 foundations on things that have nothing. Please give money the place that he has. His money. Give it its place. Money. It's good. Don't get me wrong. But it's not the judge. It's not the determinant of what I'm going to do. Let me tell you, some people are so carnal. I'm going to say this. Some people are so carnal. Your visa is expiring in six months and you have to travel to the U.S. So before it expires. What is wrong with you? There's no 
Lord, what will you have me do right now? It is, no, because I have a visa, I must use it before it expires. Okay, what if the Holy Spirit says no? So what if your visa expires? You see, everybody's quiet. <laughs> because we are entering some things now. Okay, so what if your visa expires? So what? So what? Lord, I've already bought my ticket. If it says don't go, don't come. You see? It's attachment. The quietness in the room. <laughs> P.O.D. P.O.D., you don't understand. Let me tell you. Never, never in your life. And I pray these things sink into your spirit. Never in your life have that idea of once in a lifetime opportunity. If it goes, it goes forever. God forbid the devil is a liar. I don't have once in a lifetime opportunity. I have opportunities after opportunities after opportunities after opportunities. And guess what? I don't, I'm not, I'm not wasteful about it. I'm not frivolous about it. But I just know that my God supplies all my needs. Yes, don't put me in a box and tell me it's only one I have. I have more. Okay. I'm talking to this side. In the name of Jesus, you have more opportunities. Okay, so what happens? Okay, let me ask you a question. This thing that you've given so much, so much energy to. What happens if that day you're trying to get to the airport? And I've seen it happen. You're trying to get to the airport. There's massive traffic on your way. And for whatever reason, you couldn't make to the airport and you miss your flight. Will you die? Madam, Shomaku? No. You won't die. Now, remove the, remove the traffic narrative. And let it be that the Lord said, don't go to the U.S. today. Will you die? You see? You see? I love what David said. He said, the Lord maintains my lot." He is the one that knows my rising up and my going down. The Lord is gracious and kind to me. And he maintains my destiny. Ah, we don't lose in life. Oh. Ah, no, no. My darling, I say we don't lose in life. Yes, sir. We don't lose in life. So there is the narrative of holding back and letting go for the sake of the gospel. Look at it. Look at it. It says, lose his life for my sake. It's not ephemeral. It's not something in the cloud. It's not me. For my sake and for the sake of the gospel. That's what he talks about. It's not something in the cloud. And guess what? He didn't say for the pastor's sake. Hello, church. For my sake. You know, there are many people who have not determined in their hearts that the reason why I do what I do in church is for unto the Lord. That's the reason why people around you can deter you. They, they, they said something about you. All of a sudden. Yeah, yeah, you're angry. They, they, they laughed at you funny. When I was walking in, just imagine, as I was walking in, people were just sitting down and they were just laughing. I just knew that they were laughing at me. <laughs> and for that sake, for the, you, you, do you understand what I'm saying? He says, look at this. He says, lose his life for my sake and for the gospel's sake. Do you want to save your life? Lose it. 
Do you want to lose your life? Save it. Did I, am I the one talking? Jesus is the one talking. Let's look at another scripture. Woo! Are you being blessed? Yes, sir. Matthew 11, 29 to 30. Look at this. You heard, take up your cross. Let's give it context. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lonely in heart. And you would find rest for your souls. Next verse. Let's read this together once ago. You know why it's easy? He's the one carrying it. It's his yoke. It's his body. That's why it's easy. Lord, where am I going to get the strength to do what you've called me to do? My yoke is easy. My body is light. Every time you actually... Anyway, I'll go into other things. Every time you exalt yourself over and above what Christ has done, you're making too much a deal of yourself. Let me show you another scripture. Mark 10. Mark 10. Let's start to read from verse 17. We're going to 28 to 30. But let's start to read from verse 17. Let's give it context. Mark 10. Look at what it says. It says, And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest me good? There is no one good but God. Now remember, go back. Remember that when, when Jesus said this, you know that Jesus was living under the law. And under the law, nobody was good but God. Because under grace, God has made all of us Good in Christ Jesus. Say amen. amen. You know when people say this, they, they go to this scripture and say, even Jesus said nobody is good except God. Is it not true? It's just like somebody says, um, that somebody comes to say um, that um, the heart of man is, is desperately wicked. Who can know it? The heart of man is evil, yes, and desperately wicked. A Christian will be quoting that scripture. <laughs> my brother, your heart is not evil and desperately wicked. Your heart is redeemed. Hallelujah. And your heart is righteous. Hallelujah. Do you understand what I'm saying? The heart of the unregenerate man is wicked, evil and desperately wicked. The heart of the believer is good yes, sir. and redeemed yes, sir. and righteous. Amen. That's what flows out of our hearts. Amen. You have to read scripture in context. So this was, all of this was be- before Jesus died. Let's continue. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not. Honor your father and your mother. Next verse. This guy is a genius man. Look at what he said. He said, Master, all these have I observed 
for my use. Genius. Then let's continue. continue. Then Jesus beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, There's one thing you're lacking. Go your way, sell whatever you have, and give it to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up your cross, and follow me. Stop for a minute. Go back to the previous verse. I want to explain something. I want to explain something. Go back to the previous verse. Awesome. Yes, this. Thou shalt not kill. Now listen to this. Listen to this, please. The purpose of all of these commandments was so that you can have treasure in heaven, right? Now, this guy has successfully done all of these things. Then God now says, for that same treasure in heaven, give all you have. And he couldn't. See, let me explain. Do not kill, do not steal, do not lie, do not this, do not that. It's so that God can be pleased with you. It's like you're marking accounts in heaven. Do you understand? So that when God looks at you, he is favorably disposed towards you. And this man has done all of that. Then God now said, for the same thing, for that same goal, give all your money. He couldn't. So what has him now? Obviously, this is not, the goal is not treasure in heaven. You know what has the man? He has money. He thinks he has money, but money has him. Because now, hey boy, this is so good. Because now, you cannot give up paper, paper for treasure in heaven. Look at Jesus. Whenever he's calling you to something, he always shows you the big picture. He said, if you give up this paper, you get treasure in heaven. And this guy couldn't let go of paper for treasure in heaven. He says, wow. Yeah. Because it's deep like that. It means that all the other things that he was doing was out of fear. The goal was never before his eyes. He says, you get treasure in heaven. He couldn't. Let's continue. Let's go there very quick. Then Jesus beholding him, loved him. I said, one thing you lack. We've read that. He says, take up your cross and follow me. Look at this. Let's read this together. Want to go. He was what? Can we all read it together? Want to go. And he was sad at that saying. And he went away grieved. For he had great possessions. He didn't have. He had him. The possessions had him. Let me tell you what it means to have. What it means to have something is that you have dominion over it. You can decide what to do with it. It doesn't own you. The moment your resources owns you, you are a slave. That you can't do what really is in your heart to do because of something that you're a slave. Let's continue. And Jesus looked round and said, He looked round about and said unto this, his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? A lot of people have misquoted this again. But we'll go there. Just, just continue. Next verse, I'll explain it. And the disciples were astonished at his words. Look at this. But Jesus answered and said, and said unto them, Children, how hard is it? Go back to the previous verse. I love this. He says, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? Next verse. 
He goes on to say, children, how hard is it for them that works? It's not the fact that you have riches. It's the fact that it is in it you trust. He says, how hardly will it be for them to enter the kingdom of God? Next verse. Next verse. He says, it is easier. Look at this. He says, it is easier for the camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Let me explain this. The eye of the needle is a, is a small hole. It can actually take a camel. Okay? But, you know, camels are load-carrying animals. So they carry loads on that hunch, on their back, and they carry load. Now, that eye of the needle, okay, is only able to take the camel. So, for the camel to pass, the owner of the, the camel and the load has to remove the load so that the camel can pass. So he's saying that it will be easier for the owner of the camel to take off the load because he knows the essence of the camel passing through than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. In other words, it will be, the rich man cannot just let go and enter. Look at what he's saying. In other words, they have placed before the rich man the kingdom of God and money. And he chose money and not the kingdom of God. You know why he would choose money? Because he doesn't know that in the kingdom everything is included. Hey, glory to God. He doesn't know that in the kingdom all things are ready and all things are yours and all things are in Christ Jesus. He doesn't know. So he thinks that in the kingdom, you're losing out on something. So he will hold what he has. Say the one that we have, um, a bed in hand, is worth more than ten in the bush. But in the kingdom, you have all things. Let's continue. I want to show you. I'm, I'm getting excited. They were astonished, out of measure, saying, look at this, look at this. They were saying amongst themselves, who then can be saved? Next verse. You know why? They were saying like that because they knew that man, Jesus, you are describing our matter. Who can be saved now? But look at the next verse. And Jesus, looking up to them, said, With men, it is impossible. He says, but not with God. He says, for with God, all things are possible. It's context driven again. For with God, all things are possible. What does that mean? What does that mean? Look at this. Look at, oh boy. Oh, somebody lift up your hands and say, thank you, dear Lord Jesus. Lift up your hands and say, thank you, dear Lord Jesus. Let me tell you what it means. Dupe, what the scripture is saying is that you by yourself, without any introduction of new knowledge, Cannot achieve this. But with God, in other words, as teaching is coming to you, teaching is God's word. And with this teaching, if you accept it into your spirit, it can cause a change that your mind cannot cause. With God, all things are possible. In other words, you by yourself, without this truth in your spirit, cannot. But that's, thank God, that's the hope of teaching. That's why we teach. Because teaching empowers people to be able to do what naturally they would never be able to do. 
people teaching empowers people to know what naturally they would never know. Teaching empowers people to come into experiences that naturally they would never come into. That's why with God all things are possible. In other words, if you come to the end of yourself and you get to a place where, you know, I can't move anymore, get anointed teachings, put your spirit to it, let faith rise in your heart because all those things that you couldn't do by yourself, with God they are possible. What this is saying is that if you find out that money and things have a hold on you and has a strong grip on you, your hope out of it is listening to God's word. Let God flood his mind. Let God flood your mind with his generosity thoughts. Let him flood your mind with his realities. Let him flood your mind with how he sees life. You will come out a different person. Shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. He says, but with God, all things are possible. That was God's answer. That was Jesus' answer to their question of, Who then will make it? He says, the one who will make it is the one who opens his mind to what God is saying. In other words, that one will suddenly see. May God open your eyes to see money for what it truly is. Money. May God open your eyes that you will not value things beyond their real value. Ah, I looked through, I like, you know, I like social media. So I was looking at some page. I love cars, exotic cars. So that tomorrow, if you start seeing exotic cars, don't, it's not today, amen. amen. Say amen for me. This guy, you. So I, I was looking at one car page, and I saw that the latest. 2022 Land Cruiser is what they are using as police car in Dubai now. Say Amen. Amen. In the name of Jesus, say Amen. Amen. Then I turned to my own heart and I said to my heart, May God deliver you from exalting anything more than its real value. Hey, you don't hear what I'm saying. You don't hear what I'm saying. You don't hear what I'm saying. So that the day you finally buy one, social media will rest. (laughs) You understand? And your idea for buying one is not to paint the city red. Paint your hearts. It's only you that is looking. You hear me? So that you can live your life and not post every, every progress you make on social media. Nobody cares. You understand what I'm saying? So that you can have things, and things will have you. It's good to see those kind of things. I love to see those kind of things. The things that, when, if you arise in Nigeria now, you will not hear what? Everybody. Everywhere. Do you know what he's using? Do you know what he's using? Guess what? That's the, that's the, that's the deal for marriage. Do you know the car he drove? Hey! The car he drove. But you have not asked yourself, what is driving him? Is what is he driving? He said, man, that has to be him. Tall, dark, handsome, with a lovely car. <laughs> Who born suffering? It's better to cry in a BMW than to cry on a bicycle. Shut up. 
All of those things is just poverty talking, oozing out of you. Poverty. Here, when you finally see the 2022, let your body rest. You don't shake. Relax. (laughs) You'll be alright. Keep quiet. And just, you understand what I'm saying? Just relax. My God, my God, my God. Eh, eh, No, God, keep quiet. When I saw it, I was happy. I'm telling you, God knows my heart. I was so happy. Then I put on my status. I said, Lord, thank you. I don't know how I put it, but you have delivered me from finding glory in things that people have useless. If they arrest you inside 2022, Land Cruiser, wouldn't you like to go to jail? (laughs) 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 Wouldn't you like to go to jail? And, 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 and we, have left the, we have left the conversation of Porsches and all of that. They use Porsches, they use Lamborghinis, they use all of those things. We have left all of those in 2022 Land Cruiser. Lord, arrest me. <laughs> arrest me, oh Lord. <laughs> and take me to prison. Dear Lord. <laughs> for this cause, for this cause I am in prison. Take me, Lord. <laughs> it is that... Things can be what they are. Things. And God can be who He is to you. God. That will be free from the influence of things. So, you wear a Ferragamo. We can't hear what anymore. Do you know what I'm wearing? What will happen the day you wear your own name? Now you're driving a Mercedes. What will happen the day you drive your name? Last time I checked, it was somebody's name you are driving. Mercedes is somebody's name. Yes, sir. What will happen the day you drive your own name as your own car? We're praying for breakthrough. We're praying for that. We're praying for this. Let me tell you, there has to be a good head on your shoulder. So that as you're going up in life, you're still sensible. You still have your eyes on the right values. Some people, they hit one million dollars. The pastor can call them again. Pastor, yes. Yes, pastor. Meet me. Ah, what changed? Got some money. Things will not have me. I will have things, but they won't have me. In the name of Jesus. Let's continue. I want to show you something. Are you being blessed? Then Peter began to say to him, Lo, we have left... Look at this, look at this, look at this. Look at this. He says, Lo, we have left... Somebody say, Oh. Hey, church, church, talk to me now. Talk to me. Are we guys? Somebody say, We've left all. To do what? To follow you. So this is the picture. That people can leave all to follow Christ. I want, to, I want that to settle in your heart first. In other words, priority is given to the cause of Christ. 
all. Don't say that Peter was not a Peter was a businessman now. That fishing company. How was he eating when he was with Jesus? How was he feeding his family, his brothers? Or you think they didn't have brothers? How was he feeding them? He said, we left all to follow you. But Jesus, this is where I've been going to all this while. Jesus said, don't gawk yourself. Look at this. Next verse. And Jesus answered and said, when you hear verily, it is of a certainty. This is stamp proof. It cannot be taken away. Verily I say unto you. Look at that. He says, verily I say unto you. That I, I, Jesus did not say, Jesus did not say, don't, don't say that. How can you say you've left all to follow me? No, that's not what Jesus said. And Jesus did not say, no, 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 don't leave all. Don't leave all. Don't leave all. Go back. Look at what Jesus said. He said, verily, verily I say unto you. That no man that has left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands. Somebody shout lands. Property. Property. Real estate. For my sake. This cause. For my sake. You see, he's not saying for, for my sake. And what? The Gospels. That's what I've been talking about all, all morning. For my sake and for the Gospels sake. Next verse. He says, but shall receive what? An hundredfold now in this time. Houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands. Then it says with persecution. You know why? Because people now say, is she, is she the only one? She the only one? After all, why, 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 you, see, you see all the, be ready. Be ready for some tongue, some sweet tongue lashing. He says, in the world to come, that is, in this world, now. So don't go to yourself, I've lost, I've left everything to follow the Lord. I've left everything to follow the Lord. And then, look at me, I'm left with nothing. I'm left with nothing. I've told you, I told you this morning, God doesn't sponsor flops. God doesn't produce failures. God doesn't sponsor retrogression. Do you understand what I'm saying? You leave all to follow Him. He leaves all. He has followed you already. Christ left all in heaven and came for you. So leaving all right now. Don't, don't gawk yourself and think, oh, there's something I'm doing. I'm telling you, in this life and in the world to come, you're going to have more than you left. And then, there's an icing on the cake. You have eternal life. Give the Lord a shout. You understand? You have eternal life. You have eternal life. You have eternal life in your spirit. You understand? You're not ordinary. You have, say this with me. I have eternal life in my spirit. Oh, shout it out loud. Say, I'm not ordinary. Glory, 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 glory. Oh, glory to God. I've got eternal life in my spirit. So don't think to yourself that I lose for following the cause of Christ. Don't think to yourself. Let's read this again. He says, but shall receive an hundredfold now in this time and in the world's God. Brethren, lands, you know, houses, mothers, children, lands. 
with persecution and in the world to come, eternal life. So at the end of the day, say this with me, the believer does not lose. But what is the reason why he's left all for my sake and the gospels? For my sake and for the gospel. Today, there are many people, you know, who would rather, I showed you, some of you who didn't come early, go back to the bomb picture and then we'll just go all the way now. Huh? You see that? That's a cause. For the sake of something, people are willing to strap a bomb on their bodies. For the cause of Christ and the cause of the gospel, we can have lily-livered Christians, fair-weather Christians. The day it rains, I can go to church. Even you, you're not, you're, you're, you're not going to even have the benefit of your Christianity like that. Someone say, well, I can join church online, all of these things. Let me tell you, go and check scripture. Do not forsake the gathering of yourself together as, as some do. This online idea, it's, 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 it's an option. But it's not ideal. There's community. There's togetherness for the cause of the gospel. I told you all, some of you are just coming in. There were 12 people in the room when Jesus died. Maybe, maybe 22. At best. How did the gospel get to you? People believed in the cause. They were not promised houses. This is the only time you see house, land, Abi. They were promised a cause. And they ran with the cause until it got to you. Now the question is, what are you going to do with it? A small inconvenience. You're already tired. They talk about you. You're already frustrated. I'm, I'm, when I saw this picture, because I, every time before I start to prepare my teaching, I said, dear Lord, what will you have the people say? And I do it every time. As a precious Holy Spirit, what will you have me teach the people? And I also say, Lord, what will you have me learn? And then once I say that prayer, I start to open my Bible and I know that the Lord is going to lead me. And he never ceases to lead me. Thoughts will start to pump into my head. Sometimes when I'm in the bathroom, thoughts will come into my head. Then immediately I come out, I have to write down. And this is a cause. And the other one is a cause. And the other one is a cause. And the other one is a cause. But none of these causes had the story of a man who died, who was buried, and who rose again, and who is now sitting at the right hand of the Father. None of these causes. None of these causes is centered around to seek and to save the lost. And the last time I, I checked, I was once lost. Let's look at one scripture. I want to show you this scripture. A cause, a cause, a cause, a cause. We'll look at two scriptures and then I'll just run through my stuff and I'll be done. Matthew 18 and verse 11. Are you loving this? We do this. It says, for the son of man is come to save that which was lost. Read it with me once ago. For the son of man 
is come to save that which was lost. Let's look at First Timothy 1 and verse 15. Look at this. He says, this is a faithful saying. And worthy of all acceptation. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. That's why Jesus came. That's the cause of Christ. Now, this same cause has been committed to you. The question is, what will you do with it? Write this down. Generosity has always been at the center of the cause of Christ. Generosity has always been at the center of the cause of Christ. When the gospel was being unveiled, we see God giving. And now today, his children ought to also be givers. Christ is central to the culture of the kingdom. Somebody say that with me. Christ is central to the culture of the kingdom. And Christ does not represent stingy living. Be vocal about your faith. Be vocal about your convictions. And be generous towards what you believe. So, when we talk about, today we're looking at cause quotient. So, when you talk about quotient... We're looking at you becoming proficient at something. And for you to be proficient at anything, you have to invest in it. In other words, how much investment are you making in the cause of Christ? How much do you know about the cause of Christ? How much are you convinced about the cause of Christ? How invested are you in it? These cause. How invested are you in it? Scripture calls it the righteous cause. So you've got to be invested in the cause of Christ. You know about it. Get invested in it. I want to show you a a, a picture. Put slide 13 on the screen. So we look at how this thing works. Okay? If you can look at the screen, if you can look at it from there. From there. So, we see Christ and his cause. Alright? That's the circle number one. Christ and his cause. What is the cause of Christ? Let, who, can, who can shout the cause of Christ back to me? Let's say it with conviction. What is the cause of Christ? What mission is, is Jesus on? To seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus came into the world to save sinners, right? Yes, and and, and um, Paul was saying, of whom I am chief. So the cause of Christ is to seek and to save. Now, the cause of Christ is committed to the bride of Christ, which is this church. The cause of Christ is committed to the bride of Christ, which is his church. And show me the, last, the next slide. 
So here's how it goes now. Christ and his cause, his church, and they would complete this cause with generosity. You know one of the things that has slowed down the church? Let me say this boldly. One of the things that has slowed down the church is that some people, I won't say majority because it has changed in the last, in the last 20 years. All around the world, that's changed. But one of the things that slowed us down is that the people who carry on this cause do not carry it on with a generous mindset. Do you ever ask yourself why the church was, was the last to, to pick on anything? Or the last to have websites? websites? Or the last to, to have internet? Or the last to have um, 24 hours television? Or the last to have satellite television? There's even now debates about whether we should have television or not. But now the people who were debating whether we should have television or not, they're now networking the world with television. That it was a devil's box before, is now a networking box. Because these guys do not realize that not everything on TV is bad. And that the believer has what they call self-control. You can choose what you want to watch. But that you have something bad on it does not mean it shouldn't, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be used for the propagation of the gospel. Now, in the name of Jesus, Christians are buying networks. Amen. Oh, you didn't hear you, that? That's a prophecy. In the name of Jesus, we are buying TV stations. We are buying up radio stations. And we are changing their CEOs. And we are putting the gospel on them. Do you understand what I'm saying? We are buying them up. And we are putting the gospel on there. If they can have 24 hours, whatever programming, we can have 24 hours gospel programming. And it doesn't have to be boring. Oh boy. Do you understand what I'm saying? I used to hate Christianity when I was a teenager. You come out like this and you see Gouda Ultimate Set. How many of you watch Gouda Ultimate Set on those your small box in TV, NTA 2 Channel 10? You know, it's so funny. Let me digress a little. It's so funny that those guys have not changed their intro from that time till now. May God forgive them. <laughs> and then when you, you, you see that good ultimate search, you know, thing, and then a church comes out, and then the next thing you see, ladder. And then the next thing you see, you see, you see, even the animation is not well done. Follow the ladder, hey, follow. Then the next thing you see, ta da da da. Then you see cross. Then you see ta. Then you see angel flapping wings. Then you see fire. Then you see Bible open. I'm like, what is wrong with you guys? But thank God today, all of that narrative is changing. And to further this cause, if somebody can be advocating for money to champion LGBTQ, then you, you are talking about the pastors are eating their money, and then you buy your two Naira data, and you go on Twitter, and you start to talk. The whole idea is that we are going to be generous towards the cause of Christ. Shout amen. amen. We'll be generous with our money, with our time, 
Look, it's going to cost you. I'm telling you. But thank God that God is the one supplying what it costs. But don't be that Christian that doesn't want to be inconvenienced. You don't want to be inconvenienced. You don't want anything that takes away your, your cycle. How did the gospel get to you? People were burnt. People were beaten. People were wounded. People were stabbed. What happened? They asked them to deny Christ. In fact, every people have become politically correct. So they, they, they say they arrest you and they say deny Christ. You say, Lord, you know. You understand. Don't worry. When I leave on, I'll come back and say I'm for you. But you know right now. Use your sense, of course. Do you understand what I'm saying? But there were people who didn't, who didn't think like that. You see, your, your life or your faith. You say, I can't, I can't give up my faith. Take my life. What? And people were killed for the cause of Here are the things that you need to know about the cause of Christ. Two things and I'll be done. Number one, write this down. It's a good cause. It's a good cause. Acts 10.38. The Bible says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and, and with power, who went about doing good. So why should you invest in this cause? Why should you commit to this cause? Why should you devote yourself to this cause? Why should you give to this cause? Why should you sacrifice for this cause? Why should you be part of this cause? How many of you know if you, if you own a dog, a dog, a puppy, pet, you know it's going to alter your life? You know, you wake up to clean pool, you wake up to do stuff. You understand? People want to follow Christ and not have him alter their thinking and alter their lives. Say, I want to follow him on my own terms. Even a dog will alter your, your life. But when Christ is altering your life, he's altering it for good. It's a good cause. Souls are going to be saved as a result of this cause. That's why you're here. That's why you have to be invested in it. That's why you must commit yourself to it. It's a good cause. The next thing that you need to know, it's a cause that guarantees hope. It's a cause that guarantees hope. The hope of salvation. The hope of eternal life. How do we been? We've been separated from the curse and the systems of this world. It's a hopeful cause. That's why you must invest in it. Hello? If you get on the bus, you can preach the gospel. Don't be timid about it. Hello? Preach the gospel. You see, teaching this with condemnation is to say, if you don't preach the gospel, you die and go to hell. That's not what we're saying. But now that you know you won't die and go to hell, that's the emphasis to preach the gospel. It's a cause that guarantees hope. 
with our generosity, we make our lives about what Jesus is all about. You really should not attempt to serve a generous God with his cast heart. Say this after me, I live for the cause of Christ. Say it again, I live for the cause of Christ. I want you to shout it out loud. Say, I live for the cause of Christ. So you might be inconvenienced. Okay? For, the, for, for people to, reach, to be reached with the gospel, you might come with some inconvenience. Come to the keys, brother. There is hope in the promise of the cross. There is joy and there is peace in the promise of the cross. We who have this message and this truth, we must become a lot more responsible in the way we think. The reason why you didn't come to church is because he reigned. I can't understand it. And it's not because I'm a pastor. I went to Port Harcourt for a meeting two years ago. Oh, those guys in Port Harcourt are amazing. You know, it rains. It's a regular thing to rain in Port Harcourt. So, in fact, first of all, (laughs) if rain is your excuse, half of the year you won't do anything with your life. Because it's raining all the time. And in the meeting, that was, it was a culture shock for me. Because I've never experienced it before. In the meeting, the hall was, the meeting was starting, the hall was already half, more than half full. People came in the rain. And it didn't stop raining until the meeting was over. By the time I turned back, because I was sitting in the front, by the time I turned back, the whole hall, it was over 2,000 people. It was packed out. So if if this message has to be convenient for you, you've not understood it. If the cause has to be convenient for you, you've not understood it. People were beaten, wounded, burnt. You see, this is not the message that church folks like to hear. If I tell you, God is going to bless you with a thousand dollars. Amen. But don't you know, it is something of good for you to be secure in the Father's love enough to go and talk about Him. Oh boy. It is so good. That the, the Father loves me so much that I can, because I know of His love, I want to tell the whole world about Him. So this is a commitment message. Let me tell you, this is how I'm going to close. Look at me, so that you don't think that I, 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 I didn't speak to the air. I'm talking to us. You see, the cause of Christ is to seek and to save the lost. You are not wiser than God. He gave that cause to His church. And when you come to the church, you're going to meet all kinds of people. Say, Amen. Amen. Be ready to meet all kinds of people because the church is a hospital. 
Amen. So you're not the police of heaven to say, you shouldn't come to church dressed like that. Shut up! Let the lady come to church. And as she hears the gospel, let the gospel change how she dresses. You're not the police of heaven. And this is not a seeker-sensitive message. This is what it is. That's the reason why Jesus did not close the door on a woman that was caught in adultery. In the very act. You know, Jesus is the church. The woman was in church. You know why? She was in the presence of Jesus. Is he not the head of the church? She was in the presence. She was in church. With her adultery stricken still, she was in church. So, why do we say this? You come into church, you're looking for perfect people. No. We are, our perfection is found in Christ. He is the one that has made us perfect. So this, this treasure has been given to earthen vessels. So you better start liking the vessel. Amen. Some of you say, oh, the reason why I'm not going to go to church anymore is because it's filled with, you know, hypocrites. Eh? It's filled with backbiters. It's filled with... We'll pray for the church not, be, not to be filled with all of that. But the last time I checked, even if the church was perfect, it became imperfect the day you walked in. So let's stop all of that and focus on the cause. And if we are all united around the cause, let me tell you, we'll be united around each other. Because that same love that binds us to the cause is going to bind us together. Shout this with me. It's a love cause. So I bring you this message, my brothers and my sisters. It's time for us to be serious about this. The lives and the souls of men are hanging in the balance as a result. As a result of your service. As a result of your devotion. As a result of your faithfulness. As a result of your giving. As a result of your commitment. As a result of your generosity. As a result of your presence. Stop thinking you're doing it for your team lead. Or you're doing it for the pastor. Or you're doing it for the elder. No, you're doing it unto the Lord. Those of you who are still sitting on the fence. It's time for you to jump in. Every time God wants to change a world, He gives us His church. And the church must have one message. And that message is Jesus. Please rise to your feet. Thank you for engaging yourself in this episode. We trust that your life has been beautified. If you'd like to share what Jesus has doing in your life through this ministry, please write to us at hello.blueprintstories.org. You can visit our website at www.blueprintstories.org. You can also follow us on Facebook at The Blueprints Church and on Instagram at The Blueprints Church. Cheers.